1: Welcome Auburn into the Thursday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger ninety five point nine, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Brant Daughtry with me as we have a live show for you on this Thursday. That will not quite be a normal length show as we will have Borgard High School basketball coming up at five o'clock on our airwaves. So that means we will have about an hour and forty five minute edition of the show day, taking to about four forty five and get off the air for that Borgard High School game. Tim Sin and Brooks Childress will be out there at Borgard High School and we'll have a few Borgard games coming up between now and Christmas so we'll let you know again as it pertains to shortening the show and that sort of thing. We'll also have another Smith Station basketball broadcast coming up tomorrow on FM Talk 93.9 so we'll keep you updated on all of those details but we will be with you for an hour 45 today and in that stretch of time of course we'll take your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334 well, 887 three four zero monthly or toll-free eight nine tiger 9 But our two big main topics of the day today is Auburn basketball getting another victory, this time in Huntsville against UNC Asheville. So we'll talk about the Auburn men's basketball team. And then also the schedule reveal for the 2024 campaign for the Auburn Football Tigers and through the entire conference in the Southeastern Conference. So I don't know if we'll get to all the big teams in the SEC today, but we will certainly hit on Auburn's schedule and what we think about how it lines up for the Tigers, all the all the noteworthy items for the 2024 schedule. So that will be our main stuff today. But, again, if you want to give us a call, 334 887 34011 locally or toll-free, eight nine tiger nine ryan and brant with you here on this thursday and brant i know you had some time off earlier in the week got to see your high school win a georgia state championship that would certainly have qualified as a best the weekend you usually being on the monday show i hope uh, that was as, as fun as it looked and i hope that you're doing well today
2: oh 100 like you said a little bit of a shortened week for me uh, my alma mater perry high school was playing in the state championship game on tuesday uh, and they took down stockbridge for the first state championship in school history It's actually the first time that Either of those schools had been to the state championship, so I went up to uh, I went up to Atlanta twice in three days. Uh, once for once to see Nate Bargatze, a comedian that I really like, at a State Farm Arena uh, with some buddies of mine, and then went went back up there with family on Tuesday uh, to go see, uh, like I said, Perry High School win a state title, and that that absolutely would be my best of the weekend if it had happened during the weekend, and I was. Uh, able to attend but uh, awesome to watch it was a ton of fun Perry uh, the day we were there they were not the biggest school there I think they were the second biggest uh, or the probably the third because they did uh the 2A classification the 4A which was the game that Perry was playing in and then the 6A was the final game of the day but uh w- watching what felt like the entire city of Perry uh it's not the biggest city uh in in the state of Georgia for sure but uh everybody who is a member of that town uh was on one half of mercedes-benz stadium that day and it was really cool to be a part of and to see those kids win it uh and it it felt uh it felt really cool it felt really cool to do and uh got back into town yesterday uh yesterday morning and had a day of work and uh, then auburn played two basketball games yesterday and both of them went pretty well and i I imagine that'll be the the main focus of our show today
1: yeah absolutely and so uh, we will start off with Auburn basketball. As you mentioned, uh, yes, both teams were playing at the same time last night, men's and women's. Women's uh, had no problem with Alabama State as Alabama State 0 for on the year uh, and, and Auburn clocked Alabama State. J.J. Jackson was on the call of that one. Uh, and then, of course, the men's basketball team up in Huntsville, against UNC Asheville. A uh, pretty even spread of things. Won the first half by 12, won the second half by 13. They end up covering what was, I believe, a 19 or 19 and a half point spread coming into the game. Uh, so Tigers looking good. Obviously getting set for USC on Sunday. Brant, what were all your takeaways from the game last night?
2: Uh, from last night, uh, I-, I think that once again you've proven you can do something even if Jani Broome does not have a massive game. He didn't have as poor of a game this time out, but still played... Uh, only 20 minutes and only scored six points, and you still ran away with the thing. You only had two guys get into double figures. Um, Trey Donaldson had 15, which I believe was a career high for him. Yes, he was. And Chad Baker-Mazzara had 11. So, I mean, those were your two highest scores. And you still won this game running away. You you proved that you can win with multiple guys just kind of getting theirs, that you don't have to rely on any one guy to have a big night. Um, I think that... You played defense pretty well outside of some stretches. We talk all the time. Basketball is a game of runs. You gave up a couple of runs in this game, but that's going to happen. You did what you were supposed to do in this game. Um, Shooting still was not perfect, but it's definitely trending in the right direction. 7 of 21 uh, comes out to making exactly a third of your shots, which is not great, but it's it's acceptable, especially when you win by 25. So I'm not going to complain too much about it. So overall, I think the guys did what they were supposed to. They continue to climb in the rankings based on algorithmic stuff. They're still not in the top 25 in the AP polls. But if you look at the computer rankings, they're somewhere between 10th and 15th in most of those rankings. So Auburn basketball certainly improving in the right direction if they continue to get, that sh- get their outside shot to fall. Uh, I think it's going to be a good year. Uh, looking at the girls' game, I, I like you. I was not able to watch much of this game because I was watching the boys play. Uh, but obviously, had very few problems with Alabama State. Like you said, Alabama State's winless on the year, 0 8 after last night. Uh, but sc- anytime you can score 94, I don't care who you're playing, you put it in the basket that many times, you're doing something right. Also worth mentioning, uh, the girls' team forced 28 turnovers last night, and th- that is a, a program record for Auburn women's basketball. So, uh, or excuse me, got 28 steals. Forced 40 turnovers. The 28 steals is the program record. But uh, either way, a great night for Auburn basketball, both men's and women's. And, uh, you know, it, 2-0 on
1: the day. So some of the things yesterday we talked about on the show, things to look out for. I know uh, Tom was wanting a bigger Janiah Broom performance. Uh, I know that uh, Cam was just wanting to see a couple of those guys sh- shoot the ball well, uh, like Denver Jones and Chad Baker-Mazar and that sort of thing. That was along the lines of what I was looking for too. I I wanted a good team shooting performance just because again, the team entered yesterday at 32%, give or take from three on the year. Last year's team shot about 30 and this year's team being at 32 is still in the low 200s. And so for all the potential we see in it, so far it is not coming to fruition in terms of percentage, in terms of rankings, and that sort of thing. And they were about on par last night, seven twenty-one. They didn't take a million threes. They hit 33%, as you said, Brant. That's fine. That's not going to win you awards, but that's also not going to cost you a bunch of games either as long as you're not putting up 40 of them and shooting around 32, 33%. So it was fine. It was not convincing. Shooting is something where an open look's an open look, and it, it kind of – you know, it doesn't really matter too much. Now, maybe there's more angst when you do create an open look against a good defense because then you feel more pressure to hit it and take advantage of that. But for the most part, an open three is an open three. Uh, and so, you know, they, they did fine there. The value and sample sizes, though, or lack thereof, because we went over some individuals' numbers on the year, and a couple of the guys that were straggling a little bit with their three ball. Uh, of course, Katie Johnson's one, and you know, just going one or two doesn't increase his percentage a lot, but he was entering 21%, shooting 21% from three entering last night. Chad Baker-Mazzara, though, interestingly enough, was somebody that was shooting – over 50% from two, but struggling with his three ball coming in, shooting about 26% from three. He went three for three last night, and because, of the, again, the sample size, that increased his three-point percentage 10% from 26 to 36%. And I tell you what, that is a massive difference in the uh-huh. uh, spectrum of, of kind of evaluating where you are as a team or as a player. And so that was good to see him get his three ball going. And it was good for the Tigers to see that they were able to get the looks that they wanted to get. Now, obviously, UNC Asheville is not a great team, although it was mentioned that they did have six seniors. uh, And they did have a a lot of that production back. I I know that Drew Pember was talked a lot about, and he was the one that balled out for Asheville. He had 23 of their 62 points, and he was a a, a guy that could stretch the foreplay down low a little bit and so he was certainly someone that got loose, but even with that and him being great offensively, I felt like when Auburn wanted to get to the rim, when they wanted to go down low, I know it was not any one person, and Broom did not have a huge statistical night, but also Cardwell got to the rim a lot, uh, Williams got to the rim some, and certainly the guards were able to get their spots too, so it felt like Auburn did not allow itself to be closely defended and, and was able to, as the game progressed, get better and better looks.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that part part of the off-shooting is, like like you said, they're able to get their looks when they wanted to, and that's what you want to see more than anything. The problem with the shooting, or, or at least something to keep in mind, is they were not playing in a basketball arena. They were playing in a hockey arena, and that's definitely going to affect your sight lines. And When you get into weird stuff like that – it becomes a little more excusable to have maybe not as hot of a shooting night. But I, I think that uh, you, you mentioned two guys that I really want to focus on. Actually three. Chad Baker Mazzara was incredible in that second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a, he had a five minute stretch where he was pretty much the entire team and could have won it one on five. It felt like uh, he was awesome in that second half, especially uh, uh, Dylan Cardwell uh, just kind of exploit. He missed one dunk and after that, it just felt like he got mad at himself <laughs> and just decided he was going to make every single shot. And it did not not a ton of points, but certainly enough. And his points were very loud. And that's what you want from Dylan Cardwell. You want the dunks. You want the blocks. You want a solid rebounding performance. And he gave you that. It got, got a dunk handling the ball a little bit, too, uh, in this game, which is obviously something that we've kind of chastised him for. Don't ever put the ball on the ground. If you get it and you're low enough, go up. If you're not, pass it out. But he did get the ball at the three-point line, and he got an open lane, and he went in and dunked it. And thats It was easy because it was an open lane, and he's 6'11". He ought to be able to do that, but he did it, and that's something we haven't seen a ton of from him this year. The guy that I want to focus on most, though, is Denver Jones. A couple of weeks ago, Tom and I got on this show, and we brought up Denver Jones, and we said, this is a guy who was averaging 20 points at FIU last year, and no one expected him to keep up that same level of production in the SEC. Or, or against the competition that Auburn has been facing so far. But you were still hoping that he would be a double-digit scorer for you, that he would be a guy who would shoot 30 to 40% from three, probably, or probably closer to 35 um, who would be one of your better scorers, a real difference maker for you. And he's been very quiet to this point. Uh, and it felt like even though he was the one of the three transfers that we were most excited about, he'd been the one that had made the least impact over the past couple of games. And again, it's against weaker competition, so consider the source, all that. But he has definitely stepped his game up. Uh, He's shooting a lot better. He's being more aggressive, driving to the basket. Uh, It feels like he is kind of getting his feet underneath him. And as you get closer to SEC play, that's the kind of thing you're going to need from him.
1: Yeah, Denver Jones was technically, again, a lot of people Uh, We're all in the similar amount of of point total last night, but he was technically the third-leading scorer for the Tigers with the nine and being efficient four of eight from the field. And and in Atlanta, he did have a double-digit game and hitting a couple threes. So uh, a couple better performances from here. And, and again, this is – I will give Bruce Pearl this, and this is why I'm looking – I'm looking like my opinion is wrong at the moment of earlier this year is I said that I'm more comfortable with eight- to nine-man rotations in college basketball – and that's something where I feel like in the big games, and granted we haven't had a lot of big games for this team yet, so we'll see as it goes down the SEC play, but that you really need to find the eight to nine best guys and focus on them because that's still enough to give you depth at every key position, and you also don't want to take valuable minutes away from your truly best players, and at some point, some even your best players will have to give up a couple minutes if you're going to play 10 or 11, but the reason Bruce Pearl plays 10 and sometimes 11 when he plays Berman some is, is for the, A, tiring of other teams, which is what was felt that happened in the Indiana game, and then, B, because all these guys do have the ability to contribute. All 11 main rotation players last night scored five points or more. Every single one. That's why Auburn was able to score 87 points, which is a perfectly healthy amount. If they score 87 a the game. They'll be at the, towards the top five or so in the NCAA all year. But that's how they scored 87 points, with your leading scorer having 15 and only having two guys in double digits because literally every single player was capable of contributing. And, yes, there's a couple guys that are going to be less reliable than others. Chris Moore is not somebody that you expect to score healthy amount of points on a daily basis, and Leor Berman usually does not play enough and only takes one or two shots a game to get to some big point total. But that's kind of part of the justification is that All these guys are deserving of a certain amount of minutes and they're all capable of doing something valuable with those minutes. And so, so far, I think the depth has been a clear strength and having a situation where, again, all 11 score five points. That means they scored either two field goals or got to the line multiple times. You know that that told me that again they could get what they wanted on UNC Asheville, and I know that that sounds trivial to a degree because it is UNC Asheville, but against a veteran team that again their top six players were all seniors. You know they are at least experienced enough to feel like they should be able to take something away, and I don't feel like they took Auburn did not allow them to take anything away from them. So again, I thought that they it was a really. Well-rounded performance, and again, coming up on Sunday will be another big test for Auburn, really the last key test of non-conference play. Uh, but again, I, I liked what I saw out of Auburn. They were not hung over from the 100-point Indiana game. And uh, even with maybe a little bit of sense of a, a lack of offense at times in the first half, needing the defense to create the offense, again, scoring 48 in the second half and shooting 65% from two in the second half, Auburn was able to get what they wanted to uh, throughout the game against UNC Asheville. We're going to take our first timeout of this shortened edition of Sports Call. On the other side of this break, we'll get to your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And a little bit later, again, we'll talk all things 2024 football schedule as it was revealed on the SEC Network last night. We'll tell you about Auburn's schedule and other key games and exciting things coming up next year's college football of course we know we got bowl season coming up this year so we'll be getting to that tomorrow but we'll talk 2024 football schedule coming up in just a little bit you're listening to the thursday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9
0: How easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn.
2: I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoie and Brent Dauntry with you here on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. Let's go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll free, one eight nine tiger First up on this Thursday show, Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today?
3: Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for asking. take my phone call. Brent, good afternoon to you, sir. Afternoon. Hey, let's get to it, guys, because time is short. Yes, sir. Uh, Anybody want to get some plane tickets to uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil?
1: Yeah, I mean, even if Tampa plays there, man, I'm just not doing that. The NFL is marketing to a whole different country. That that is not for me.
3: Yeah, 2024. Now, they didn't say what team is uh, playing, but do you have to know what NFL team is going to be playing Paulo?
1: Yeah, not not right now. Uh, they'll announce all that with the new schedule reveal in, I think, like April or May of next year. I know that they are increasing the amount of international games up to eight by 2025. So, again, they're continuing to expand their global reach.
3: Yep, well, if you can't make it there, uh, you can also try Madrid and Rio de Janeiro. They're also being considered...
1: Yeah, again, they're they're trying. They've dominated North America. They have they have large targets now. They're trying to uh, expand everywhere.
3: And then I saw this. Uh, Apparently, there's the proposal being discussed. uh, This comes from CBS Sports about uh, some rule changes. Uh, One being the uh, automatic twenty five yard line if the receiver on kickoffs just you know calls for a fair catch if it's outside the end zone. What do you think, guys?
1: Yeah, I, I unfortunately I saw, and I, I look, I, I know that there's a safety element. I know, I know, I know, but the, I saw that one of the head of a player, a safety uh, guys in the NFL. I know that's descriptive. Uh, said that the kickoff is now more of a ceremonial play and is is not you know a, a part of the game. And and for me that is sad. I thought that. As a kid growing up, one of the most exciting things in the sport was to have a Devin Hester-type player have an explosive play on the kickoff. Again, I understand that it is an elevated risk of injury, but that does not mean I feel that kickoffs have no place in the game. And so they continue to gear the rules more towards making it that ceremonial type of play. Uh, But I do find that sad because I think that, Again, there are a lot of epic moments involving kickoffs, and just everything to do with the kickoff has, has become harder from trying to actually recover your own onside kick to returning kicks to just, just everything about it has become tougher.
3: Yeah, and, you know, uh, growing up, I used to look forward to kickoff return to see if going to take it all the way. People like Mercury Mars for the Miami Dolphins sure. you know, would take one all the way. And according to Fox Sports, I'm reading this from Bleach Report, there's only five NFL teams that have actually uh, done their kickoffs more than uh, I think, uh, yeah, um, more than maybe 34 percent of the time. He says only the Green Bay Packers, 56.3 percent, are below the 60 percent threshold. Uh, the other uh, NFL teams have seen 70 percent or more of their kickoffs end in a touchback.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like that's just where we are with kickers now. I mean, these guys are so good at what they do they can boot it at least five yards deep in the end zone, and at that point it's not worth the risk of bringing it out. So like Ryan said, for a lot of teams it's more of a ceremonial beginning than any actual, you know, there, there's no real possibility of anything happening because these guys can kick it so deep now.
3: And then there's another rule change being discussed, guys. How about fumbles in the end zone? Uh, it says here the rule uh, that could give the defending teams the ball the touchback whenever the ball is fumbled out of bounds in the end zone – How's that any different from when a ball is fumbled on the sidelines and remains with the offense, right?
1: Yeah, I've had a friend that, that has been really into that rule for a while and has not liked it. Um, I, I have not had as strong of an opinion on it. I, again, I, I I see the merit to both sides. This is not going to be one that will feel as controversial to me.
3: Okay. I right. I just don't know if it would change maybe the outcomes of any games uh, by going – by you being consistent, because yeah, I mean it could. Even though it is the end zone,
1: I mean it could. Depends on the moment. Depends on the situation.
3: Okay, all right. Uh, and uh, here's what I call a holy crap category, because I didn't even know, know such a team uh, by this name. Uh, you guys may may know them. Comes from the uh, college basketball uh, report uh, website, and I just saw it says Chicago State. It says the perennial worst team in Division One just upset who? Northwestern Northwestern on the road. On the road. Guys, please educate me. Did you know about Chicago State?
1: I mean, I, I did because, again, growing up, you play video games, you know way too much about way too little of schools. Uh, but, yeah, I can tell you that they are awful every year, and that is probably uh, one of the biggest upsets in a while. I, I, again, it's hard to quantify because there, there are a lot of – Uh, upsets in college basketball over the course of a year. Uh, Even some in non-conference between smaller conference teams and big conference teams. Heck, Long Beach State beat USC last weekend. I mean, that's not a cataclysmic upset, but that is an upset. Uh, And so for Northwestern to have beaten Purdue, the number one team, and then turn right around and lose Chicago State, I mean, it does not get more 180 than that. It It can't possibly get more 180 than that. Would you
3: call that a trap
1: game? It shouldn't have even been that, honestly. Like I guess by definition, any game after you beat the number one team is is high alert. But again, Chicago State has historically been so bad. You can take your, you can either take your second string and win, or tell your first string to play weak handed, and you could still, in general, beat Chicago State. I mean, again, it is a very bad po- program, and so them and I know NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology, is usually one of those that's really bad. Although they had one decent year a while ago, but yeah, th- those are the very pits of the sport typically.
3: So, you're telling me, because as you came again, Chicago State has never even made it to the NCAA tournament in their entire history, right? Uh,
1: I, I don't know that for a fact. I mean, it w- wouldn't sh- shock me. I, they have not made it any time in my lifetime, but I, I don't know what they've done going back a ways.
3: Okay, because when I read this, when they said the perennial worst team in Division I, so good I mean, how god awful was Northwestern to let that happen, right?
2: Well, that's the thing. Obviously, Northwestern's not terrible. They beat Purdue, and Purdue's really good. But they were obviously bad on this night.
3: Well, when this happened, I read this, I said, I thought immediately of Tom Peavy. Because he says, anything's possible, stuff happens, right?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to go out there and you got to play the game. They're, the other team's not going to just forfeit because. They're going to go out there and try to win, right? I mean, that's what you try to do when you play sports. You try to win, and on that night, it just got the better of them.
3: I guess that was their... The paycheck game—that's uh, what Northwestern thought.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, you have several games that you play against lesser competitions. I, the the paycheck stuff is not nearly as formidable as in football, and also you just got so many more of them. But, but I mean, yeah, that—that's not a game that Northwestern should ever be losing.
3: All right, just go real quickly, again, guys. Uh, follow up with the uh, uh, Mister Otani's uh, contract. I just saw this from Beach Report, as they already see it, but apparently he has a clause. Do you know about that clause?
1: Uh, If if there's change in uh, leadership there in the organization, there can be an opt-out, yeah.
3: Yeah, he said that if the – apparently, uh, if the general manager uh, is let go um, and also uh, who's, I I guess, uh, the president, uh, then he'll opt-out. What do you think, guys, about that kind of clause?
1: I mean, that is something for the player thrown in there, I mean, for sure. I don't really see him needing to exercise that because uh, I think that the only way one of those guys get removed is if the Dodgers are absolutely failing. And I, I can't – whether they win a title the next year or the next couple of years or not, that's one thing. But uh, I can't see them falling just face-planting uh, with Otani and all those guys and, and all the money the Dodgers spend. So I don't think that would happen. And even if it did, I mean – I'm not sure why he'd want to get out of a contract where most of the money is deferred. So I, That's what I was wondering. yeah, I, I don't, I, I really, I, I don't see how that would end up happening unless, unless that was five or six years down the road and he could get even more money somehow then. Cause he's just hit 60 home runs and had won the Cy Young. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I think, I, I think that will become inconsequential.
3: I get moving, moving on real quickly. Uh, same with our basketball team last night, guys. You know, what I was my takeaway from it, I know I heard your takeaways, but is that the bench did as well as they did. I mean, that tells me, gee, even if our starters are having a bad night, uh the high bench uh can probably be relied upon, right?
2: Oh yeah, and that's why that's one of the reasons that Pearl rotates so many guys. He has a ten deep rotation because Auburn is so deep. They have so many good bench players. I think the bench scored fifty something last night uh, they were obviously, obviously Auburn's depth is going to be a big part of its strength. And when you've got uh, nine or ten guys that you trust, that's going to matter. That's going to help you later in the season because you just don't have as many miles on those legs. So uh, th- that's obviously the idea. And if Auburn can keep rotating guys like this, and they can keep getting production, it's going to be a lot of help.
3: And my take is uh, one of the factors that, uh, to me, that makes the bench so, uh, I guess, so can be relied upon is the spark that Katie Johnson adds when he gets on onto the court. Uh, you guys, um, your take.
1: Certainly, I think that there's not many times when he plays well that Auburn doesn't. Uh, I think that I think Auburn's in a better position this year to withstand him playing poorly, and we talked about that on the show yesterday. But that's one of those X-factor guys that if on top of everything else that can be good about Auburn, if he's going to play a good game too, uh, it gets very tough to defend. And, and see, we do have another caller to get to here. So final, final thing or two from me, real quick.
3: Okay, there's an article real quick, guys, if you haven't seen it. Uh, I, I strongly urge you to, to read it. I've enjoyed reading it so far. Uh, from the USA Today uh, sports writer, Mike Freeman. Are you familiar with him?
1: Uh, not particularly.
3: Okay, well, the article is on the common title. It's a 10-part series. Why do some of sports' greatest of all-time players cheat? He talks, gives some examples of what Jerry Rice has mentioned uh, in his first uh, series. But it's so, a really interesting article. There's a psychologist he mentioned in there about why, uh, what the research says about why um, some sports uh, people who are just you know icons uh, have been found to be cheating. So anyway, well, it was a really interesting article. So I mentioned to you guys, Mike Freeman is uh, the uh, the sports writer who did that. All right, guys, thank you for your time as always. My time is way way up. Yes sir. Uh, We'll talk tomorrow about uh, I guess upcoming uh, basketball game against uh, Southern Cal. Yes so sir. Until then, guys, have a safe afternoon and evening.
1: War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve. Appreciate that phone call. That is retired ward Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Let's grab another call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Tony from Tuskegee. Tony is with us. Tony, how are you today?
4: I'm fine. How about yourself? Doing well. Yeah, I was just listening to the guy to talk about upset with Chicago State. Yes, i heard of Chicago State before. I know it was an awful team, but, you know, kids now, a lot of kids are going where they can play, as well as basketball and football. They're going where they can play. It's a lot of ways now that kids get attention, not trying to be funny, but whoever who would have ever thought New Mexico State would have been upset all sure I mean, yeah and back when Nick Saban coach start at Alabama Louisiana Monroe came in and upset um I know it was years back come up and uh, upset Alabama so but yeah a lot of kids are going where they can play and if you and if you can remember back when um to this thing. Now, when yes, Jimmy, Jimmy Jones uh, Jimmy, uh, came to Dallas to coach, I mean, he had Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith, but the rest of the team was from it unknown unknown schools. And uh, one other thing, this guy that flipped from Alabama to Auburn, Perry Thompson,
1: from sir, Yes, sir. Foley, yes, sir.
4: Yeah, I honestly believe
1: recruiting
4: day, I mean signing day, he'll be back at Alabama. I was looking on thing what Nick Saban had the whole coaching staff at his house, for yesterday, day before yesterday?
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, and uh, a big six-four receiver and where that's paying out with the um, – the way Alabama uses re- receivers and um, the advancement of roads, I believe he'll flip back to um, Alabama.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, I that one has gotten a little bit more buzz in, in recent days. Uh, the thing I would point to why I still believe he'll end up at Auburn is he has seemingly been recruiting for Auburn in the last couple of weeks. And uh, he's been, he was recruiting Cam Coleman, trying to help Auburn get Coleman. Uh, he's been talking about the Freeze Five, which is the five wide receivers they're trying to sign in this class. And you're right, Nick Saban and Alabama are making a, a huge push for him here in the last few yeah, days.
4: That, that's Julio Jones' country. They probably had my at Julio Jones at the house with them.
1: Sure, yeah, Julio did go to Foley as well. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I, yeah, I understand I, the thinking there for sure.
4: But, yeah, uh, um, I just actually believe now when the fans would deceive of, um, who is it, Burton gone, Ja'Carri Brooks hit the portal. Um, the guy six four He's standing a chance that playing at Alabama his first year, probably at Auburn also. But those people out there, you can go out down Foley, Lambert's restaurant down there, that's Alabama country.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm familiar with Lambert's actually. It's quite good.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's Alabama country. I go down there, so we go down there two, three times a year. That's. Strictly Alabama, even the bowl everything around through there, they got Alabama. I, I, I hadn't seen Auburn sign up down. there even the bowl in that all over the, um, all around Orange Beach. You got what's his name down there? The guy used to coach at um, Alabama. Um, oh, wow. He got fired. Um, he got, got into some trouble with the um, phone thing. He used to be uh, defensive coordinator, and then they made him head coach for a minute. But he's out there down in um, uh, um, Gulf Shores. But anyway, um, you know, I just a word of thought. My take is Saturday he'll be in Alabama.
1: Okay. Well, we will find All out. Right. Saturday in six All days. Right. Yes, All sir.
4: All right. And hey, if y'all can get Shag Crawford, my friend, He's the most loyal Auburn fan I know. If y'all can get him to call in and say something, he's been hiding ever since <laughs> you know, ever since Alabama beat Auburn. He won't talk. He won't come out.
1: <laughs> yeah. well, we'll let him know then.
4: Yeah. All right. Y'all have a good one and have a Merry Christmas.
1: You too, Tony. Merry Christmas to you as right. well. That is Tony from Tuskegee joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Uh yeah, these recruiting battles they never truly in. Again, I, I I still, again, I my slightly educated, opinionated guess is I I would still go with Thompson Auburn. For what it's worth, people don't probably want to hear this. I think Williams Ryan Williams will still end up at Alabama. I again that that's if you make me pick. I don't know. Williams still has two months to go because he's not going to sign until February. Obviously, Auburn is trying their damnedest as they tried with some of these other guys and did succeed with some of these other guys. But, yeah, Nick Saban was with Kevin Steele even and a couple other Bama coaches, I believe, uh, in Perry Thompson's home uh, a couple days ago. Hugh Freeze also directly followed that with Marcus Davis and Perry Thompson's home. So at the very minimum, again, at the very minimum, Alabama is still very much trying uh, and, and very much 100% effort into that um and again we will see in six days
2: oh yeah we've talked about it a million times on this show commitment does not mean recruitment over uh it it says hey this is where i'm going if i signed today i've made my decision that as of this moment i really like this place and this is where i'm going these kids are 17 18 years old they can change their mind on a dime so could you at 17 or 18 years old and so could i and that that's just how it works when you're a kid especially when you've got these millionaires promising you the world it's just how the sport works so I, I'm like you. I still think that Ryan Williams probably going to Alabama, and I still think that Perry Thompson's probably coming to Auburn. Uh, but I could see either of those going either way. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just the way the recruiting is right now. It's obviously very close, and uh, you, like you said, we'll see. We'll see the first leg of the battle uh, coming up in six days, and we'll figure out how February sorts out and uh, how you need to answer and what's what's become. What's gone from the early signing day to regular signing day has become regular signing day and late signing day. So uh, you, you kind of get all the kids that you can in this moment, and then you look over what's left and go, hey, this is a position of need. Let's fill it with this kid.
1: Absolutely. We're going to take one more time out here in hour number one. Again, short and show today. In hour number two, we're going to talk the 2024 SEC schedule that's revealed. But I do want to come back for a few minutes and talk a little bit about the calendar. Uh, that we have in college football right now because uh, yesterday we talked a little bit about Malik Murphy entering the portal, the backup quarterback for Texas, who of course is entering before a playoff game for Texas so I want to talk a little bit more about that and the current calendar in college football and and how uh, it might be better if it was in a a little different spot and that sort of thing you're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger (laughs) 95.9
0: is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you're currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at (laughs) SportsCallAU.
1: Welcome back to the Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger 9FM and the Tiger Communications app. Or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here on this Thursday. Again, a shortened edition of the show. This time, one hour from now, we will be getting off the air or, or just off the air. Uh, as Borgard High School basketball plays today, girls and boys starting around 5 o'clock. So again, we only have till about 4.45 on this Thursday afternoon. We will have a full three-hour show tomorrow, and tomorrow will be fun. You don't want to miss it. We're going to do a bowl game draft. So the three of us on the Ooh. show uh, will we'll go through all the bowl matchups, and we'll kind of get a squad of bowl games. Uh, that we're interested to see. So that'll be fun. Uh, Fun way to kick off bowl season, which has seven games, six at the FBS level, plus the Celebration Bowl on Saturday. Uh, So that'll be a lot of fun for sure. A few minutes left in this hour, number one, uh, as mentioned before the break, wanted to talk a little bit about the calendar. And that sounds kind of weird to say that sentence, but the (laughs) football calendar of recruiting dates and portal dates has... Been coming more in the spotlight in recent years and then in particular in recent days because of the fact that you have two signing days now one coming up next Wednesday, which is the 20th, and then the still traditional one in early February. And then also because of portal window. And yesterday, Malik Murphy, the backup quarterback at Texas, went ahead and entered his name in the portal and will not be on the sidelines with Longhorns. For their playoff game against Washington, which is January the 1st. The portal closes January the 2nd. And now I had said yesterday that I didn't think it was the best look and it's still very interesting and that sort of thing. And I feel that way to a degree still today, but it is kind of also tough timing, admittedly, to go suit up for a team one day. And the very next day, you have to get in the portal if that is your intention. And so that brings me to the calendar and why we need to think a little bit more thoroughly about our target dates and all that sort of thing. Because I understand the rush to open the portal because the season has ended for some, for for about 40 or 50 teams in the country. And then for another 40 or 50 teams, they don't really care much about their bowl game. So I understand that along with Wanting to get in the portal at the same time that high school kids are trying to officially sign so teams kind of know what they're doing on both ends, I, I get the opening part of it. But I think that even though it's open for a month, and some people say that's too long, I'd actually argue you need to make sure the season is completely over. I think that maybe the Wednesday or Thursday after the national championship game actually needs to be the deadline for the portal because I don't want this situation where a kid on... And, and there's some people already left Bama. There's there's some people that are leaving these playoff teams that, again, I just feel that... I understand we're about individuals making the money and going where you need to go. This is still a team sport. And on some level, to leave the team before the most important game of the season still does not sit right with me. And, and you might feel differently, but I just... Again, it's not even about oh well he's not likely to matter, okay. But he could, and would you not want to be a part of something that still matters? Like again, like again, I, I get it. I know you want to move on. I know you maybe want to enroll for the next semester. That's something that would that why the date is because you're trying to maybe enroll in the classes, and that's something that would need to get figured out too. I, I get all that, but like I, what for Texas? This is maybe one of the most applicable things, because this kid is the backup. He is still above Arch Manning. I know Manning got to play in the Texas Tech game, but when Quinn Ewers was out, they played Malik Murphy. What if Quinn Ewers gets a Colt McCoy? It happened to this very program. Garrett Gilbert had to play almost the entirety of a national championship game. What if Quinn Ewers gets hurt? He already got hurt this year. Now, look, they're going to go to Arch Manning now, and I guess that's not a, a big difference, but... The kid could have played in the most important game of the year, even even if some, even if we we're not even if we're not privy to the fact that maybe Manning has passed him. I still don't think they would have been so confident in Manning that they wouldn't have thought about a package for Murphy if he was going to go out because he can run. He's he's a completely different skill set. So that's why I don't like this. Brant, thoughts on the portal timing? I know I just went into a spiel there. Still got two or three minutes, though. What's your thought on the calendar? Does it need to change? Is this this just an exception that it's okay, something's got to give? What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, I I think that it's bizarre. Well, I, I think it depends on a kid's situation. If you're the backup quarterback on a team going to play for a championship, I'm trying to get that ring, honestly. I'm, try- I'm on that team. I'm going, hey, I'm going to do what I can. I want to do my own thing for I want to do my own thing, but while I'm here, I'm going to be where I am. Uh, I'm going to focus all I can into being the best I can be for Texas because Texas is where I am. And after the season, I'm going to focus on what's best for me, especially if you're going to play for a national title. If it's just some bowl game, you're on an eight and four team and they're going to the Independence Bowl whatever, I then, yeah, I'll go ahead and transfer out. I don't think it matters as much. But to be a guy who is one play away from being the most important dude on the field, and I understand that it's a unique situation that's a quarterback, but I'd say for any backup, uh, but quarterbacks especially, I, w- I would carry this out. And I, I'm, I've am i always been very pro player. I've said, hey, these kids need to go where they need to go. Uh, several The last several Heisman-winning quarterbacks have all been transfers, three of the four Uh, Heisman finalists this year, the top three, all quarterbacks, all transfers, going to where their situation is better. I think the transfer portal is good for the sport because it allows these players to be where they can be to be the best versions of themselves, and I think that's a good thing. But it is weird to do it if you're a team competing for a national title before the national title game happens. Uh, I, I think that the best schedule it could be was maybe if you just keep it closed until After bowl season is over, you know, if you want to say, like like you said, the Wednesday after the national title is when it is when it starts to open. I I would be okay with that, but I don't know. I, I think with the way that it's going, we are entering kind of a period of free agency. and I think that it wouldn't be bad for the game if you're just like, okay, immediately after the season is over, you can go into the transfer portal and until, say, a month before the season starts, the portal is open and you can get guys in or out. you know, Whatever you need to do, you can transfer one time within that window, and that, that's your period. And I'm, I'm sure there are counters to that that I'm not thinking of right now, but that just seems to me the simplest solution and the one that would <laughs> cause everybody the least amount of headache.
1: Yeah, and and again, too, we didn't even hit on it as we are running out of time of the hour. Again, the belief about how the signing period for high school players plays into all this, too. Uh, So we'll probably revisit this conversation down the line in a couple days or weeks because I do think that it's worth having and it's something that this time of year is on a lot of people's minds. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned, the second and final hour today of the show coming up next. And in that second hour, we will talk about Auburn's 2024 football schedule. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9.
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brent Dantry with you here on this Thursday. And again, reminder, as we start hour number two, this is the last hour of the show today. We're getting off air at about 4.40 or 4.45 as Borgard High School basketball tip time about 5 o'clock today with airtime a few minutes before that. So, again, we have less than an hour remaining of the show, so let's get right to it in the second and final hour. And last night, speaking of things that are two hours long, the SEC football schedule reveal <laughs> last night, uh, fortunately I did. I was still at the office, and so I saw it pretty much all get revealed by the time I left. I think it took about 35 or 40 minutes, but who was counting? Certainly I was. Uh, And so they had a two-hour show. It was revealed within a fair-ish amount of time maybe. Uh, And so we now know all the big matchups for 2024. We're going to start with Auburn in this segment. We have time. We will get to the rest of the league, welcome in Texas, Oklahoma, uh, some of the big weeks to keep an eye on that sort of thing. But uh, for Auburn, this is how it went. And I will say this, too, that I was wrong yesterday. I did not realize that August 31st was a full week. I thought it was going to be like a week zero type of thing this year, but it is not. And because it is not, because it is a full week of football, there will be two bye weeks for everyone uh, in the conference. And that has happened a few times in the past. I think 2019 might have been the last time it happened. Uh, But there will be two bye weeks. So... Uh, that is why they're starting on August 31st. And so Auburn will start with a date with Alabama a I believe that was the last scheduled non-conference game. I think they had three coming in the yesterday. That was Cal, New Mexico, and UL Monroe, or ULM. Uh, and so that Alabama AM game was the filler game placed there. That's the first week of the season. Then Auburn hosts Cal, the return trip for the Golden Bears, after a very tight and uncomfortable game out there in Berkeley this year. So that is week two. That is September the 7th. September 14th, Auburn has the third non-conference game there against New Mexico. Not state, just New Mexico. Everybody breathe. Yeah, everybody breathe for now. New Mexico. Uh, So that's September the 14th. September the 21st, Auburn opens SEC play. Again, inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium against Arkansas. So that's game number four. Of course, Auburn had its best performance of the season against the Razorbacks this year. And that does mean Bobby Petrino, week four, be walking some sidelines in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Again, say that sentence to scare a friend. Oklahoma visits Auburn week five. That one also in Jordan-Hare Stadium. So five straight home games for the Tigers. That does happen more than you might think it should or would. Uh, I can think of a couple different times that happened it happened just a couple of years ago and also believe might have happened in 20 uh, one of the years I was a student I feel like it happened maybe it was 14 or 15 I don't know but but it's happened if it, it's happened more than you realize so five straight home games and of course the the fifth of them the biggest of them is Oklahoma uh, again goes to Auburn September the 28th that's the month of September we'll stop it right there we'll reveal it in pieces. What do you think about that first five for Auburn?
2: I I think it's extremely favorable. Um, I I think that Alabama A&M, one, show up for the halftime show, because anytime you play an (laughs) HBCU, show up for the halftime show, because it's incredible. Uh, What they do is awesome. Um, But, again, always going to have to be the caveat of, you should win this pretty easily. Um, Then you host Cal. Cal's going to be an interesting one. I feel like that's the first real litmus test for progress from last year from this past year to this upcoming year if you if you if you don't beat Cal by at least 10 you have to it's time to start going hey where's the progression because you beat them by a little bit over there you said you got better and now you're not beating them by more while you have home field advantage that that to me that is a game that Auburn should win by at least 10 or we're going to have to start asking questions the New Mexico game Again, should probably win it. It's not New Mexico State. Jerry Kill will not be on the sideline, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Arkansas it's going to be a very different Arkansas team in the beginning of a make-or-break year. They are going to come in with expectations, and we're going to have to look at Arkansas' schedule. I don't know if that's their first real game or not. I don't know what their schedule is going, what their record going to be coming into that game. But it's still early enough in the season to where they could be three and 0 coming into that game, and they could be, and Sam Pittman could be knows that this is kind of his year. He has to save his job and if Arkansas comes in there knowing they have to save him, they don't they will not have KJ Jefferson, they will not have Rocket Sanders. It's going to be a very different Arkansas team and this is where I get into man, I have no idea how Auburn's going to do be cuz I have no idea how anyone else is going to be and ask me again as we get closer to the start <laughs> of the season, which I said a lot at the beginning of this year. Um But Arkansas has got a potential to be very motivated. Then Oklahoma is going to be very fun. That is Oklahoma's first SEC road game. They they will not have played an SEC road team before they play Auburn on September 28th in Game 5. If Auburn is 4-0 coming into that one, that's going to be a very tough environment for Oklahoma to come into, and that's another team losing its very good starting quarterback. We don't know who's going to be a quarterback for Oklahoma next year, so it will, it will very much depend on who they can get in the portal or if they have a high school guy that they really like, but uh, I think that Auburn has to win at least three of these five games, or it could be the start of a long year.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I agree, because they 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 honestly I, I'll tell you this too I, I might even go one more and say they don't need to, because of the nature of them being at home well and well we'll get I don't need to do big picture record right, things so right. we get through the whole twelve but but yes they do need to start strong they do need to show progress. Uh, fortunately, they have a little bit of a runway there because mm-hmm. again, Arkansas and Oklahoma still should be two pretty different things. And to answer your question again, we'll get into other SEC schedules of note and how they relate to Auburn and that sort of thing later. But to answer your question, since you wanted aloud, Arkansas' schedule before the Auburn game is Arkansas Pine Bluff. That should be a win. Oklahoma State in Stillwater. That's Ooh. going to be a very interesting non-conference game. That'll be very fun. Uh, and then they host UAB at Fayetteville. So okay. Auburn is uh, Arkansas' first conference game, as you said. Oklahoma's first conference game away from. Norman uh, is against Auburn. They do play Tennessee the week before uh, to open up conference play. So that's the month of September for Auburn. Again, starting out with Alabama a and Cal, New Mexico, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. That takes you up to October the 5th. That's the game that was reported uh, ahead of time because of Georgia's schedule leak. Auburn going to Athens for the Deep South's oldest rivalry on October 5th. And so that's the first game away from Jordan-Hare Stadium. That is the sixth game of the year. And at the halfway point, then Auburn will take a break. October the 12th will be their first bye week before they go back on the road two more times. So uh, I'm telling you right now, no home games for Auburn in the month of October after only being at home. August 31st and 31st, and in the month of September. So October the 19th, Auburn goes to Columbia, Missouri. Again, the Tigers of Missouri having a uh, incredibly un uh, a good unpredictable year this year uh, from Eli Drinkwitz to not only save his job but to start to feel real uh, good vibes from Missouri, and they got the number one overall recruit and. Uh, again positive momentum in a very positive year for Missouri so that's October 19th in Columbia and then the next week October the 26th Auburn goes to Kroger Field to face Kentucky so a couple of old SEC East teams uh, there for the Tigers to play and go to in back-to-back weeks Brant what stands stands out about that month
2: so obviously at Georgia your first away game of the year that's a big game every year Um, and you got to play them after you play what's probably going to be a very close emotional Oklahoma game or will hopefully be a very close emotional Oklahoma game uh, or maybe you run away with it who knows but it, it, it the way it the way that I think it'll play out is that you'll play a close game with Oklahoma and then you have to go on the road to Georgia who will be trying to avenge not getting a shot in a national title this year they want to win titles they expect to compete for one next year um, and, and and by that point you know, we will have found out a little bit about Georgia at least. So I, the Georgia game, I don't know. At Georgia, Auburn just doesn't have success there. had never had success there uh, really since the 80s or the 90s, I think, is when the two teams kind of traded away victories. But going to Athens has just kind of been a house of wars for Auburn for a long time, and I, I personally don't see that changing this year. I think they're just too good. Um, and Auburn's just not quite there yet. Uh, at Missouri... That's going to be an interesting one because we don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be yet. This is the the third. Hey, they might be good if they have a good quarterback again uh, of the schedule. Missouri is, like you said, they're a team that has a lot of good momentum. Very shockingly good year this year, and not like fluky good. They were good, good this year, uh, and I'll I'll be excited to watch their bowl game. I remember it was one that I picked that I was excited about. I can't remember who they're playing or where, but uh, I know that that's a really fun game. I remember seeing. Uh, so Missouri, interesting matchup. Uh, I think Eli Drinkwitz has kind of solidified himself as a good head coach at this point, And uh, I'll be interested to see if they can keep it up. At Kentucky, who knows, man? Kentucky Kentucky's such a, I don't know, kind of team. And yeah. they have been for a long time where I think that they have a head coach who is as good a head coach as they're going to get. Um, he He was up for the... Texas, the, A&M, the M Texas job. AM job and then wasn't anymore. Uh, Mark Stoops uh, staying at Kentucky. I think Mark Stoops is a good coach. I, I think that he would have been a decent hire for AM, even if he wasn't the home run that a lot of people thought they were looking for. But I, I think that him staying at Kentucky is good for Kentucky. And I expect them to be the kind of team that goes somewhere between six and six and nine and three. And they're one of the three games that they're going to be looking at to determine where they fall in that is going to be hosting Auburn.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that in a vacuum, you say three straight road games, and that's kind of brutal. Yep. Uh, at least there is that bye week, and I'll get to the month of November and how it really lightens up for Auburn for the first half of November at least. And, and so, you know, that part of it is a little bit of an uncomfortable stretch of the year. I don't think it's quite the same as this year's four-game stretch where you had a Georgia Ole Miss and LSU, LSU yeah. four of the five most talented teams in the conference all in a row I know A&M was not one of the four uh, one of the five best teams It's not what I said four of the five most talented teams in the conference in a row there and, and so that part of it is not exactly still existing because I don't find Missouri to be that and I don't find Kentucky to be that but obviously the first part of it if you go back to the last game in september when you go oklahoma into georgia that is a very incredibly tough two games there's no if ands or buts about it i will tell you why it's interesting from georgia's perspective too in just a moment but you know go anytime you're going to go from oklahoma who's still one of the great programs in the sport they will have unknowns next year to athens georgia that's just that's a tough two games period now you get the bye after that so that's that's a good timely buy in my opinion because Mm -hmm. auburn might have gotten one incredible victory out of two there and be riding high and you have a lot of good stuff to talk about or they might have started 4-0 and then fell flat for two straight weeks and got beat by better teams and then in that case yeah give me a breather recalibrate and go into some important road games at missouri and kentucky that will be winnable but nevertheless will be road games so you know Again, in a vacuum, you want to make the argument, man, that sucks to not be at home for an entire month. I, I, I will absolutely buy that argument because you'd love a little more balance from that perspective. But at least the buy is in there, and I would say at least the tougher teams at the beginning to where you, you recalibrate after the buy, you hopefully get you know, a couple important road victories. Let's go through the month of November now. So after that at Missouri and at Kentucky duo there to start the month of November, Auburn returns home to play. Vanderbilt, November the 2nd. So, second straight year for Auburn playing Vanderbilt. Again, that is why it also seems more palatable to play two straight road (laughs) games uh, there to end the month of October. Then after Vandy, there is a bye week and then Auburn plays New Mexico. I'm just kidding. Uh, They play UL Monroe (laughs) November the 16th. Uh, That hurt a little bit to make that joke, but it was low-hanging fruit. It was funny. Uh, They play ULM November the 16th in Jordan Hare Stadium after the bye week. So, the first half of November, clearly a different stretch of football that Auburn will be playing, and then November the twenty third, the Tigers will host Texas A and M the week before the Iron Bowl, which will be November thirtieth in Tuscaloosa. So that clearly way different than things we're used to. So, bring it in the month of November.
2: Yeah, I think uh, coming back home to face Vanderbilt, and then you get a bye week, and then ULM. I think that three-week stretch is going to be a time to really get your head right. Uh, as much as I think that Vanderbilt is uh, a better team than they could be in the past, but I, I, I said that at the beginning of this year, and then they kind of died down the stretch. I don't know what I expect Vanderbilt to be. Um, probably not very good, uh, but we'll see. Uh, it, then you go immediately into a bye week. You've got a bye week after three weeks. I I, I don't know if that – I think that if I were scheduling this better, I would put Texas a If if I could like schedule this any way I want to, I'd take the open week and put it mm, – I'd put it after the ULM game and move Texas A&M to November 9th. I think that would be a much more favorable schedule for Auburn. Uh, but the way it sets up right now – You've got to get you've got a game where if you need a get right game, you've got one at home against Vanderbilt and then you've got buy a bye week to kind of self scout, figure things out. ULM who you should beat and then Texas A&M. Oh, Texas Texas a and I really like Mike Elko. I think that's a great hire for a and I think that the talent that is there that has decided to stay, especially on the defensive side is going to get very well used uh this upcoming season cuz I think Mike Elko is really good. Uh, no idea how A and M's offense is going to look, uh, but we'll know more by that point in the season. Um, I think that Texas A and going to be a Texas A M game is going to be tough. And you've got Alabama, who will have their starting quarterback from this year back, and he just had a whale of a game against you, and you know, obviously converted the miracle uh, at the very end to win it. So uh, Alabama is going to be good. Um, y- you've got. 3 you've got three weeks where you hopefully will be able to get a little bit right before you launch into two very challenging games at the end of the schedule.
1: So last year, I, this year, 2023, whatever, this this <laughs> first year of Hugh Freeze, that's, you can define that, the Hugh Freeze first year, the 2023, it was a, a four-pack, four really tough ones and four that you should win or could win. They won, lost all four, then they won three of four. But it was kind of in fours where, okay, you have this non-conference. It's just kind of all different than these four behemoths in the conference. And then the next four, you got much lesser teams in the conference plus another non-conference game before you have the Iron Bowl. This year to me, in 2024, what will be the second year, again, one year, two year, is the – that comes in pairs year. It's Oklahoma, then it's Georgia. Those are two huge teams and maybe Oklahoma's not awesome next year. Maybe they are. But those are two huge programs. Then you get a bye. Again, you recalibrate. And then you've got two road games. you got two teams at Missouri and at Kentucky that Auburn University most years should expect to beat. Now, the situation for Missouri is a little better than it normally is. The situation for Kentucky a little better than it normally is. The situation for Auburn a little worse than it normally is. But in a vacuum, these are teams that you still need to beat. However on the road in a year two of a new coach. They'll be 50-50 type of games, at least what we know about the rosters now. And then it comes in pairs again because then it will go to Vanderbilt and ULM. You need to win both games, period. End of discussion. Don't need to explain why. You need to win both games. You have a bye week in between, and then you finish off with two more tough ones. you got Texas A&M, who... What they will be talent-wise after all the recruiting classes, but then all the, the departures, uh, I don't i don't know. But A&M is going to be a tough team to know, and it will take all year to know what they are. So that's one thing. But then Alabama to end the season. Obviously, Iron Bowl, the success Alabama's had speaks for itself, et cetera, et cetera. So really next year will be two – it would just be a bunch of pairs of matchups where you go from really tough to really important to really easy to really important. And and so that's how I kind of have thought of it in my head to where no, no one big grouping of things is extra difficult. Obviously, the middle portion when you go from Georgia to – or excuse me, from Oklahoma to Georgia but then to Missouri and Kentucky, that's your toughest grouping of four games – but you do have a bye week in the, the very middle of that to try to ease it a little bit. So uh, I think that this is still a really solid schedule. I will tell you real quickly before we go to break, and then we'll grab another phone call here or we'll go, well, excuse me, we'll grab a phone call and then go to another break is that with Auburn playing Georgia after Oklahoma, you say, well, damn, got to play Oklahoma week before Georgia. Well, that sucks. Well, you know, what also sucks. <laughs> Georgia going to Tuscaloosa the week before that. Uh, So Georgia has every bit the challenge and more than even Auburn has. So that's one thing that I look at. And then later in the year, Auburn plays Texas A&M for the Iron Bowl. And you say, wow, don't love that. Where's the ULMs of the world? (laughs) Well, it's the week before. And you ask yourself, well, what does Alabama have to do? Well, they got to play Oklahoma and Norman. So, again, the two setups for you say, man, that kind of blows the other teams going through the exact same thing if not more so that's again how you could say man that i don't really love that yeah but the other schools got to do the same thing so i think that also gives you some solace that oh you can't really complain about Man, you got to play Georgia after Oklahoma. Why is that? Well, Georgia's playing Alabama. <laughs> why, why is that? You know, so, and, and again, you finally have to play a, a tough game. Like, if, again, Texan, there's a lot of range of outcomes from ne- next year. They could be five or six wins, and in which case, okay, very palatable. Or they could be nine wins and be like, ugh, but again, Alabama's got to go to Oklahoma. So I would put that in the very minimum at the same category. So, uh, you know, again, I, I think that. This sets up pretty balanced for Auburn. Sets up pretty well overall. Again, they don't have a huge stretch of games that they just can't win or they're just going to be buried and buried and buried. And in this league, with the two teams that are entering this league, that is not something you can say for everyone. I don't know if we'll get to it today because we're going to run out of time here. But, again, Florida, you should see what they have to do. Oh, my goodness. It's brutal. Uh, They will be buried in their own swamp by the time (laughs) the season ends. So, uh, again I, I like this for auburn i think there's opportunity here if they can show real growth they can have a pretty productive year next year uh and, and i like how a lot of it shakes out again we have time for one quick phone call before we take our final break of the show today 334-887-3401 nuclear toll free one triple eight nine tiger 9 james from montgomery james is with us james how are you today
5: i'm good in war eagle war eagle I know that you're all talking about the Auburn schedule, and I looked at it um, when they did the SEC uh, schedule release, and I was looking at some good games for the 2024 season under Hugh Freeze because I know uh, this wasn't what most Auburn fans consider as a good year for 2023, but in Hugh Freeze's second year as the head coach at at, uh, Auburn, I think the first Two games that we play in our schedule, I think the first two games will be wins, and the the second two games will be losses as well.
1: Okay, interesting. You know, I, I, Auburn in that the first two games they have uh, of the season, they're going to have Alabama and AM and and Cal. But the next two mm-hmm. games, they got New Mexico and Arkansas. And New Mexico, Auburn's just got to beat. Uh, if they're losing that game, there's going to be a big problem in the year. And then Arkansas, mm-hmm. to some degree too, I, I would say that maybe Arkansas has a boom year next year. Maybe they become the Missouri of this year, and Sam Pittman mm-hmm. saves his job, and everything's okay. But Arkansas grading them off the last couple of years, being a home game for Auburn, I really think that's going to be a game Auburn needs to win as well. So I'm really hoping that – and I know you hope they start 4-0 as well, But but they really shouldn't be losing any of those first four, I don't think.
5: Well, because you know, with the with the schedule uh, season that they did it, they did it way too quickly. Because we're still in 2023, and Auburn is making it. Well, Auburn is going to be in a bowl game this year, so I think Auburn is going to win the uh, bowl game in Nashville. So that's going to be a, a a huge easy uh, margin for Auburn because I think there are uh, uh, there are nine, a 9.5 favorite to win against uh, Missouri, I think Minnesota, if I'm saying their name right.
1: Maryland, Maryland out of the Big Ten. Yes,
5: yeah. so I think with uh, that, uh, that's going to be like a SEC-Big Ten matchup. Um, I think with Maryland, because I looked at Maryland's schedule from their last Uh, few games, and I think Maryland is going to be an easy, easy win for Auburn this year. I I think this is going to be, you know, this is going to be not our first time ever playing back in Nashville, so this will be our second time playing in Nashville in the Music City Bowl, so I think Auburn, the final score for this game, will be Auburn 38, uh, Maryland 20.
1: All right, yeah, now that certainly could be something that happens. Auburn favored by two and a half points over Maryland. So uh, Vegas thinks it will be a close one, but I would take any kind of Auburn victory and, and again, finish off on a positive note uh, after the heartbreaking way the season ended and, and get above five hundred for the year. Again, I think everyone would be pretty pleased if that's that's the way it could finish.
5: Yes, as well, because when uh, they actually have the open days, the open schedules, um, if I was doing the Auburn schedule, like if I was actually putting the games for Auburn I'll just probably put like to make a little a little change to the games I'll put like Texas A&M the week before the Iron Bowl and move Vanderbilt down where Texas A&M is and I'll probably put Texas A&M and Vanderbilt I'll just switch those teams uh, those two schools and I'll just put Texas A&M probably like on November the 11th close to like like the um Veterans Day weekend so that will be um uh, that week as well and then um that week will be auburn's uh, you know military appreciation week as well and i think for that game would be like a night game as well so that would give you know the 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 um the feel of of the military to actually do something you know during halftime as well
1: uh yeah no i November the 9th is going to be that Saturday and they are not going to have a game that day so unfortunately uh, you know if you had been in charge there you would have definitely changed some things up but uh, Auburn will play on the they'll play at home in the month of November there on the second and the 16th and the 23rd so they'll have some mm-hmm. opportunities there but uh, again yeah no game on the on the ninth weekend.
5: Yeah, so about well, I was gonna do like a schedule change. I'll probably put it like on the 10th of November, and that would be like the week before they play Texas A&M as well. And then that game on the 11th, that would be a night game as well. And then they'll do like a little. Uh, like a little halftime, uh, presentation, you know, for, for the military as well. And that will be a really good, um, that will be a really good halftime show that people will be talking about for, for years to come as well. And then the Iron Bowl, I'll probably push it back like, you know, a week before, uh, like at the, like at the middle part of, uh, November instead of at the end of November as well.
1: Well, yeah, it needs to be the last game of the year. So it just depends on uh, what date that is. And, again, because of the calendar being a little bit longer this year, uh, mm-hmm. it, it has to be on the, the very last day of November because the last weekend of regular season college football will be November 30th that next next year.
5: Yes, as well, because I will be watching Alabama very closely in their bowl game, and I don't see – Alabama beating Michigan this time around because I think from their first time they played Michigan, it was a really tough time for Alabama. So I know Alabama fans are, are like scratching their heads and seeing about their new quarterback that they have from, you know, from the previous Iron Bowl wins, which that made me upset. We should have won that game as well. But I think when we play Alabama, I think that's here in Tuscaloosa, so I would be here for that game up here in Tuscaloosa, so that game would be in favor of Auburn, so that one would be a really good time for me to, you know, talk to the players and and actually get them, you know, in the right mindset as well and see if we're going to win this time around because I think Auburn needs to win one Iron Bowl this year. I mean, it's really starting to, like, make me upset as well because a lot of Auburn fans are saying, oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, bounce back every year, year after year, year after year. I get it. I've been hearing that for the past 10, 20, 30-plus years as an Auburn fan. You know, we need to, like, you know – Peyton Thornton needs to understand he's, he's playing in the SEC. He's not playing with the Michigan, uh, you know, he's not playing with his former team. He's playing as an Auburn Tiger. So he needs to get his mind right or we'll just have to, you know, throw him in the transfer portal and just find somebody else to put in that uh, quarterback's position.
1: All right, yeah. Uh, now, James, real quickly, I know we got to get we got to go to our break here in just a second because mm-hmm. we uh, we're running out of time for the shortened show today. But uh, uh, are you are you living up in Tuscaloosa now? Do we need to change that bumper to James from Tuscaloosa?
5: No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. I'm just I'm just here for work. Uh, I'm working up here. Okay. All right. Gotcha.
1: You just you'd mentioned you've been in Tuscaloosa a couple different times, and I was just. I was just trying to no. figure out. Yeah,
5: no, 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 no. I'm I'm here for work okay. as well.
1: I got you. Well, I hope work's going well
5: then. It is. It, it actually is. So I'll just um, I'll probably call you all back on uh, tomorrow, and I'll just uh, talk about some other uh, sports as well.
1: All right. Sounds good. We appreciate the phone call, James.
5: All right,
1: sounds better than War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We need to head to what will be our final timeout of the show. A few more scheduling thoughts, and we'll wrap up this shortened edition of Sports Call on the other side of this timeout. Again, Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9.
0: to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm I'm Trevon Reed former Auburn
5: Tiger football player national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9
1: Welcome back to Sports Call. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brent Daughtry with you here on this Thursday. Another 10 or so minutes of the show, maybe even less as we uh, wind down here because Borgard High School girls and boys basketball coming up. Uh, airtime about 4.50, 4.55 or so with a tip time right around 5 o'clock with the girls game in Timson, Brooks Childress, some of the guys out there for that Borgard game. And so, again, we're getting off air in just a few minutes. We have a couple more schedule thoughts before we head out and uh, we'll probably get more scheduled throughout either tomorrow or next week. I mean, it'll be a topic that we'll bring up a couple different times. I know we did when the opponents were announced back in the, in the summer. So we'll definitely bring up this a couple different times. But uh, when you go back and look at everything that the league's going through with the eight versus nine discussion, you know how temporary this might be. Does this is this going to mirror what it might look like in rotation and that sort of thing? Of note, I mean, again, you talk about really big rivalries that are going to be really cool, and just big matchups are going to be cool. Texas texas a And M's another one where that's the last week of the year, and that's a game that would not be able to play be played annually if they don't mm-hmm. go to nine because they're going to play Texas Oklahoma. This is going to be the first time you get Texas and Oklahoma in the league. So that game coming up middle of the season is going to be huge, Uh, and that's going to be special knowing the implications. It's going to be huge to see Alabama and Georgia play uh, in the regular year. Again, without divisions, these are the kind of matchups that dictate who goes to the SEC title game. And the fact that you've all got some sort A balance with what all these teams, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, LSU might be a team uh, if we get into the weeds of it that has a way easier road. They do play Alabama, but it's at home. They don't play Georgia. They do play Oklahoma, but that's at home. You know, we'll get into it more in the summer, but um, and we'll break down what weeks are tough and all that, but everyone's got Oklahoma or Texas. That creates a big opportunity for somebody. It creates Oklahoma and Texas to play a couple of really tough teams, Uh, and then they play each other. Alabama and Georgia play each other. It's going to be a lot of big action all season long.
2: It it is. I think that if there is anything I can bemoan, as much as I am a fan of of expanding this conference and adding more conference games, it is a little bit weird to not see – LSU or either Mississippi school sure. on an Auburn football schedule that just I, I read this and I mean you were talking, we were talking about it at the break it makes Auburn's schedule significantly easier that they don't have to play LSU or the current version of Ole Miss but it's just it's so weird to see a schedule and not see either of those teams on there but I, I do think that Oklahoma is going to be is going to be a very fun game you've still got Arkansas you, you've got a very fun team in Missouri uh, I, I think this is a really fun schedule and I think that it sets up to be a very telling season. I think we're going to learn a lot this year uh, about uh, Hugh Freeze and his tenure at Auburn. I think that you and I are talking about it at the break. Seven and five is a possibility, and eight and four is a possibility. And I feel like those are the two most likely final records for Auburn. I can see the argument for nine and three as well, but there's such a major difference between seven and five and eight and four when you're looking at this schedule. When you're when you're talking about improvement and what you expect Auburn to do. If Auburn goes 7 and 5, then it's a disappointment. If they go 8 and 4, well you won two more games than you did the previous year and you beat somebody that was probably more talented than you. It is such a major difference how much one more win uh completely changes the outlook on this upcoming season.
1: Well, and, and I just thought about it while you were speaking too, uh for another reason too that really I I don't want to say should have in what transpired on the field because once the game began, it shouldn't have gone that way. But, I mean, really, I mean in a vacuum, Auburn should beat New Mexico State 49 mm-hmm. times out of 50, and it should have been a 7-win team this year. Or, if you want to talk about what did happen on the field, you defend one 31-yard play, and you win that one. So, yep. it felt like all the world this team would have ended up at 7 once they got through the the first 10 of the year.
2: Can I counter that with kind of a, a yeah. Doomer outlook sure. real quick? sure. Uh, When you go back to the Cal game, though, Auburn threw what should have been a pick six on the very first play of the game, and it got called back because the guy who picked off the ball was deemed to have stepped out of bounds, and he did not step out of bounds, and Cal ended up not scoring a touchdown on that drive, and if they had, and obviously who knows what happens the rest of the game, I get that, but when you look at that outcome... Then Auburn should have lost that game and they didn't. So it it is. It balances. It 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 does eventually balance at some point. The fact is you shouldn't have lost by three touchdowns to New Mexico State. But (laughs) yes. But uh, it it is when you get into like splitting hairs and stuff like that, you can find arguments. And it really it really is crazy how it comes down to four or five plays really made really make the difference in how good or bad your season is.
1: Absolutely. So we are out of time, basically, for today.
0: Let's do a real quick nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide.
1: Again, I know these conversations are very interesting. We will be getting back to scheduling conversations, again, maybe some tomorrow and a little bit next week, too, because there's a lot to go over for the league and Auburn's opportunities and that sort of thing. But again, we are basically out of time today. Real quick, the nightly TV guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Uh, women's College Volleyball, they're deep into the NCAA tournament. Nebraska versus Pittsburgh, 6 o'clock on ESPN. You've got Men's College Basketball. Number 7, Marquette, takes on St. Thomas. I ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Aquinas, St. Aqu- Aqu- Aquinas? Aquinas. But that's Aquinas. a high school. It is. I assume it's the same dude, right? I, I don't know. I don't know. So that's 7 o'clock <laughs> on FS1. Uh, movie picks for you tonight, 6 o'clock on AMC. It's Ghostbusters, the original... 6 o'clock on Disney, it's Frozen, 6 p.m. on FX, it's The Avengers.
2: We had a discussion about Frozen around the office earlier today.
1: We did. Uh, At some point in the holiday season, I'm sure we're going to break back out the uh, Christmas movie or not a Christmas movie uh, conundrum so that that will probably come up but that's sports calls nightly tv guide presented by white claw hard seltzer and that will do it uh, for the show today uh, again this shortened version of the show coming up in just a little bit again Borgard high school basketball with an airtime in just a few minutes as again they will uh get going there with tim sin and brooks childress and uh that will be another uh fun game uh, for both the girls and boys, again tomorrow coming up on FM Talk 93.9, there'll be another Smith Station broadcast, and in a uh, next week there'll be a couple more Borgard Basketball broadcasts. So we'll let you know about all that. But again, that will do it for the show today. Brent Dontry, thank you for being here today and uh, we'll see you again on the call of smith station tomorrow thank you for having me again that does it for this shortened edition of the show today borgard high school basketball is coming up next as always we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for brant Dontry. my name is ryan the boy have a great thursday night and we'll talk to you again tomorrow